That's when my caddy lost sight of it That little white pellet has never been found to this day It is time to take our eye off the football and put our eye on the golf ball here on Sports Talk. Time for another edition of Birdies, Bogies, and Biceps. We got the birdies, George Bryan. We got the bogeys, that's me. And Robbie Thames has got the biceps, but the biceps are with him at a Christmas party tonight that neither George nor I happen to be invited to, Nobody else, nor anybody else in our studio tonight. George, welcome in once again to the program. It's great to have you with us. Hope you had a terrific week. Yeah, and I love this time of year. It's holiday season. It's also the training season. And I got to tell you, we can't let Pat get too comfortable. And if he's gnawing on a sandwich, we'll give him a second to take a breath because mm. we're going to bring him in. There's a lot to talk about, a whole bunch to talk about. But Pat brought up that Robbie used the term he was arm candy tonight at the uh, That's <laughs> at right. his Christmas party. Yeah, so <laughs> Pat gave me the news. Robbie didn't. And, you know, I like the way that sounds. Arm candy for his girlfriend. Well, now, that that makes it sound like uh, Robbie's better looking than his girlfriend. I'm sure it's got to be the other way around. If he's the the arm candy, as as Pat put it. Now, that's how Pat described it, not me. I would never describe a man in that way, but that's how Pat did it. I sure did. I'm comfortable. I am comfortable, man. And also, I I wanted to make sure I described it exactly like Rob did. I was reading that (laughs) verbatim. And uh, and hey, we do call we we seem to focus on his biceps on this show. So maybe maybe the arm candy was that she could just swing from his biceps and dance around the floor. Well, I can, trust me, she is beautiful, and Robbie is not. I mean, he's a <laughs> the best looking guy I ever saw. Uh-huh. He's ugly, and he is he definitely girlfriend up. And you know, we just like to have fun and and. On this radio program, it's kind of like our games. In our imagination, we just get better as the show goes on Mm. and as the season goes on. And it's holiday time of the year, and it's the training season for golf, a little bit of an off-season. We got got a lot to talk about uh, tonight with John Rahm making his announcement. And uh, I've already got – I've got a number of texts. I've got emails. I've got – Tons of comments about, you know, everybody's got their opinion. What's really cool, in the offseason, there's golf news, and it's headliner news. So, you know, John Rahm, I don't think he's got the ranking right now to be number one in the world, although he is, in my opinion, the best player in the world. Uh, that's that's big golf news, but it's sport news, too. Mm-hmm. Kind of shook up the sports world because from reading a little deeper into the story, he was willing, had been willing to hang in with the PGA and stay on the PGA Tour. Of course, he was making buco dollars by, by winning tournaments and all that, but he was expecting, you know, they've been telling these guys they're working on a deal with Live Golf to form an association by the end of this year. That's the deadline, December 31st. And the Saudis are supposed to funnel in hundreds of millions of dollars into the PGA uh, to be shared with their players, et cetera. That's what they that's the carrot they've been dangling. But from what I've read, you know, that 
those negotiations may have hit a snag or two may not happen. And thus he's like, okay, well, they're, they're talking five, six hundred million right now. Imagine that, George. He's, he's going to cross the half billion mark in guaranteed earnings from the people there at the Saudi fund that's funding Live Golf. I mean, that's insane. But you're talking about a group of people, an organization that have no uh, limits on the amount of money. What's what's a half billion dollars to these folks? They have no limit as to how much money they can spend on somebody. You know, it is uh, It's fascinating. It's intriguing. It's news. It's not great news. Uh, it's it's news. And, you know, they're out there. You hear, you've heard uh, any news and that 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 happens to golf could be good news golf i think it's the greatest game out there it's really cool that these kind of things that are happening it will bring more attention to the game which i think deserves it it's the only game you can play for a lifetime and they're folks that you, we can hit a golf shot you i pat robbie anybody out there listening can hit a shot one shot just square in the middle of the club face that is that can match the very best shot. Very well, maybe not the longest, but center is center. And a ball that flies through the air as designed is a great shot. We can do it just like the best in the world. Now we can't probably do it as consistent. But you can't go out I don't care where you are, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, you can't even take a step like the best at those games. Not one step anymore. It's done. <laughs> but in golf we can feel it, taste it, touch it. So it is extraordinarily well, unique. Now let me let me let me throw a couple of examples out there, George. Let's talk about this for just a moment. You bring up an interesting question. So let's just say I'm in an NBA game. All right. And <laughs> let's just say that. Yeah. Ouch. You can't take <laughs> let's let's just say I'm in an NBA game and I have the basketball, and I'm I'm being – Michael Jordan is guarding me, okay? And I make a move, and he fouls me. Okay, now look, I'm not going to outjump Michael Jordan. I'm not going to get my shot up over him, and I'm not going to be able to defend him in any way possible. But if you foul me and put me on the foul line for two, just like Michael Jordan, I can make a free throw. Now, put me and Tiger Woods on a par three. Put me and Tiger Woods on a par three, 165 yards, the pin, center of the green, no water, <laughs> one bunker to the left, out of play. I can par it, just like Tiger Woods can par it. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, let me just let me just throw this at you. Hmm. You couldn't even take the inbound pass. <laughs> If Michael Jordan was on the court, there's no way. And if you tur- you would not take a step, and he would not no, foul you. You would not even have a chance to do let, anything with that basketball. Trust me. I would you get Larry zero. Bird. I would get Larry Bird to set a high pick for me <laughs> off the elbow. I would. I would. He just turned 67 yesterday, by the way. Be- talk about beautiful men. That is the most beautiful man on the planet, Larry Bird. I've always felt that way. <laughs> 
Now this is really going sideways. Now, wait a minute. You you thought it was weird for me to say arm candy, and now you're sitting here talking about how beautiful Larry Bird is. He had had a beautiful jump shot, but the man is so far from that. Oh, that was foul. It's all in your perception. It's all in your perception. All right, but let's go back to the golf thing. Now, I will say this. Um, Many years ago, we had an opportunity to go out to what is now Cobblestone, used to be University Club. They had an event, and they brought in Chip Beck, Mr. 59. Okay? Remember him, Chip Beck? Wonderful guy. I spent spent all afternoon with him. uh, 1992. Absolutely wonderful guy. Yeah. So we got the media out there. This goes back to what I'm talking about. And so we all go to the par three. Um, I think it's the par three. It would be the uh, it was the one over water. I can't remember what the number, but it's a par three out there. And he was going to play with everybody on this par three. So this is what I'm talking about. And so he hits his ball, of course, and he hits his ball over the water, lands maybe 10, 15 feet from the pin. What do you think I did, George, when I got up there? What do you think I did? You know. You knocked it inside his ball. No, I hit about three feet behind the ball, and it dribbled off the tee box down towards the <laughs> lake. <laughs> I totally choked. I totally, completely, 100% choked under the pressure of a guy that shot 59 on the PGA Tour. So the nerves well, got the better of me. Well, that's uh, Yeah, that's you would be able to take an all. inbounds pass. And being guarded by Michael Jordan, still hang on to the basketball and get to the foul line. Okay. Yeah. And then make a free throw with 20,000 sets of eyes staring at him in the crowd. Hey, I'd be betting on – you could probably hit the backboard, but not the rim. If it makes you feel better, so, uh, Phil, I would just whiff the ball. If I, try, if I were in that situation in golf, I probably wouldn't even make contact. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I barely hey, made hey, contact. A- I'm telling you, I, I dug a hole deep enough to bury a dead squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of that, uh, I had I had this reoccurring nightmare before I played in the PGA Championship that I would get to the second hole at Medina. Hey, it's cool. Jimmy Hawkins, a 1983 state amateur champion, sent me a video on Medina when Hale Irwin won. It was old VHS. And so I watched that video a number of times before the event, the PGA championship was played in 99 there and had the chance to play in it. Well, number two is a part three over water. And I had this nightmare. I kept dreaming that I'd, I'd never be able to get it over the water. And I just, I, I, don't, I had all these things that I would do in order to, I'd fake an injury, you know, mm. all of a sudden my back go out, uh, I'd start limping you know, I just I just had this dream. I couldn't get it over the water, and I wouldn't finish the tournament because I couldn't get over the water. And it didn't happen a lot, but I did wake up several nights sweating, going, "Man, I hope that's not real." So, in the tournament, first round, uh, I uh, oh, I made a lucky birdie on the first hole. I mean, I couldn't hardly see. I couldn't breathe, choking like a dog. But making, I made a birdie on the first hole. Uh, my first first hole in the PGA Championship and look up on the leaderboard that's right by the second tee box, and it shows T1. Now, it's early in the morning, man, but T1. I'm at the top of the leaderboard, tied for first. (laughs) 
and walking uh, behind me and standing on the tee walks up Tiger Woods, Tom Watson, and Brian Watts. Well, nobody knows Brian Watts anymore, but Tom Watts and Tiger Woods did not intimidate me. Tom Watson, on the other hand, did. I, mm. That one bothered me. He's watching me. Start pouring rain. I got the honor. I put the uh, – so I walk out. I have the honor. I'm hitting first. I walk out on the tee. It, start, it starts to pour. I tee my ball up and walk back over. It's pouring rain. Walk back mm. over. Tiger Woods tells, says, whispers to the caddy, hey, uh, you probably want to dry that ball off. And uh, tell – and, and – <laughs> So my caddy trip Barry whispers over, "Hey Tiger, said you probably want to dry that ball off." And I went, uh, and it, Tiger heard me say this. I went, "My hands are shaking too bad. I'd never <laughs> get it back on the tee." <laughs> are you that, serious? That that is the true. That's a true story. My ball sat out there in the rain. That was a good locker room story. And they asked me after I was asked afterwards, "Man, what?" And that that, that prompted because we're on the uh, on the next hole, the par five, and Tiger goes. Uh, now this is very quiet. Just hey, what'd you hit? What'd you hit? And he knew what I hit because he saw it. I hit a four iron. Mm-hmm. He knew what I hit. And I said, I didn't call it. I'm not going to say what I called him. I said, uh, well, you know what I hit. Did you, call him, he you call him Tiger? You call him Tiger? Call him Tiger? Did you do? Did you two become? No, I, uh, did y'all bond? No, we weren't buddies. No, we weren't body buddies. He was making fun of me because he knew what I hit. He was looking at my bag. He knew I hit uh-huh. a four iron. Uh-huh. So I said uh, he he just wanted me to ask him what he hit. <laughs> so we're on the next hole. That's all legal. So I go, okay, what'd you hit? He goes, he he grabbed he goes he grabbed the choke down seven iron and he looked at me and I went, yeah, and he hit it right over the top of the head. The only thing I could say was that uh we had several little exchanges he's very kind yeah but you mentioned choking and situations and and nothing like this game of golf not this time of year and i am i am a little i am quite disappointed to know that john rom goes to liv and we the biggest disappointment is that we won't be able to see him all the time but i will tell you hey we've had pga tour players on our show Nobody really knows what's going on right now. Nobody. We had one on just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a PGA Tour player, and we he he right there with you and I. He couldn't he couldn't say what was going on. We really don't know. And I've read articles. I don't know the authors personally, but I can tell by reading the articles I've read they don't know what's going on either. So I think it's a great time of year to speculate. We can we can guess forecast i'm not sure if if uh anybody been interested enough to even call in the show phil throughout the course of the week probably not not in football season but i wish they would not tonight we're not taking any calls tonight but is anybody called in to ask no it's football season still that's disappointing (laughs) it's football season still yeah well uh, I think the uh, for most of the professional golfers, if you go back to the origin of what happened, and, and Greg Norman a long time ago had this idea of literally uh, 
a big four, big ten tour where just a few of the top players would create their own tour. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't go so well. The problem there is, well, there are a couple of layers of problems. First of all, he didn't come up with that idea. If you don't think that was presented to Nicholas Player, Trevino, and Palmer, well, trust me, that was. And I don't know the people who did it, but that was thought about. You ever heard of Shell's Wonderful World of Golf? Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that, was, that, that was basically a, a little – this is a derivative of – the Live Tour is a, a derivative of that particular idea where it's exhibition golf, and that's been – referred to the live tour as a bit of an exhibition tour, a little bit like uh, the in, a, in the Olympic sports, you got the Olympic ice skating competition. Then you have the, the ice shows, the circus, where they don't compete. They just show up and put on a performance and get paid handsomely. You know, a little bit like Olympic wrestling, real wrestling, and, you know, the stuff we see on TV. <laughs> You know, not the best com- <laughs> comparison, but but I think the Live Tour is is recreational. Is now, yeah, they're playing for a lot of money. The other part, I wouldn't say recreational. It is for show, and they've got some ideas that long ago should have been adopted, like the team. There is a great place for team golf in our sport. I'm not saying I'm happy about the live program, but I, I do think this idea of bringing team to golf had a great conversation with uh, Thomas Hackett, who is from Boston, went to Binghamton. Uh, from, he played in the Northwoods dogfight today. I don't know how he turned out. We'll find out tomorrow morning. Uh, guessing that they lightened him up a little bit there. Hmm. But mm-hmm. he, he was talking about club golf in Ireland and how much fun club golf was. And I'm not sure this is going to happen real quick, but I do believe the Live Tour, what they bring to the table in golf is team idea. I think that's the next place for the game to grow. If it's going to be at the expense of people being unhappy with the PGA Tour or whatever they decide they do, well, you know, maybe that'll happen, maybe not. i tell you, golf's pretty daggum. Still really popular. Mm. Tour players, you know what they play for? Yeah, that's right, money. Mm-hmm. They do play for the trophy. But, hey, they're professional athletes. And it's, uh, you know, no, but there's another point out there. How do we know that this outside agency, how do we know how much they already own of the current companies that sponsors our PGA Tour right now? I've been in, I've been in conversations where that was a question that, that brought in a lot of, uh, well, I'll put it this way, it was a very emotional conversation <laughs> because you really don't know who has the stock in privately owned cup companies, for that matter, publicly owned companies. So they're already invested in, in some capacity, and that's a fact. That's already been established. So we're George, thinking, I've got a quick... I, you know, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I've got a quick question for you about that because you were referencing what Two Gloves had to say a couple of weeks ago, and I thought he was fantastic talking about the lack of transparency from the PGA offices back to the players. 
the one difference I've seen in pro sports versus what happens on the uh, professional golf tour is in the NFL, anything that the owners want to do, they've got to deal with the players' union. Anything in the NBA that the owners want to do, they have to deal with the players' union. If the PGA Tour players, as I guess individual contractors, I mean, would a unionized group maybe gain more uh, respect from the front office and get more answers and more transparency? Would that even work in, in professional golf? Oh, I, I, <laughs> I guarantee you it would. And if it was, if it was better uh, transparency, if it was better relationship, there wouldn't be a live tour at this point. Mm, mm. That's my opinion. Uh, all the things that have taken place, uh, it really didn't need to happen that way. Greg Norman made he went, he went pretty, uh, he went aggressive, aggressive in the early late nineties, early two thousands. And they thought they they thought they uh, put a muzzle on it, but it's pretty apparent they didn't. Uh, there, I don't know everything there is to know. I very know I know very little about what's what's been happening on the PGA Tour up until my son got involved. And here's what I know is is the <laughs> and and the other sports the owners they're the owners, but the players definitely have better leverage in the other in those sports than they do in golf but that's changing rapidly right in front of us right this minute and i think it's the right thing there's no question uh they're only 100 and what 125 players supposedly uh they talk call it the 125 technically there'll be 240 50 players throughout the course of the year i'm not real sure they have been fair to the people in the two to 210 category I picked up a conversation from uh, a dad last week at the qualifier. I called you guys last Friday at night, and one of the parents uh, whose, whose son got injured, a lot like Wesley, uh, he was not treated real fair by the PGA Tour with the major medical, and he was really vocal about it, not mentioning any names. Uh-huh. I will tell you that uh, after hearing his side and at least what, took place i was appalled i was like are you kidding me that you know it's one of those things that maybe the top four or five or ten players they get a lot of special treatment that player number 201 204 210 (laughs) i'm not so sure all you got to do is hey check out last year's 210 and see how see how he was treated this year year before last to last year and I think those those are some of the things. Not not uh, not that I know everything. I know that there's some injustice going on. That uh, the ship's getting ready to right in a better direction. 2024. George, That's a good real, guess. Sorry, real quick, if I may. Just we we only got about two more minutes. Uh, it was short. It was announced whether this was coincidence or not. Within a couple hours of John Rahm's announcement that he was leaving the PGA for the Live Tour. Wells Fargo made an announcement that it would no longer be sponsoring the annual event up in Charlotte, which we've all grown to love, especially it's only an hour and a half up the road. They were directly citing the rising costs and demands from the PGA Tour, including the PGA Tour insisting on sponsors covering a, a major percentage of the purses in these new signature events that Jay Monahan has instituted to try to compete with the Live Golf. That's a major, major sponsor, big loss for the PGA Tour. Do you think that this is just the beginning? Could we potentially see more sponsors start to pull out? I don't think there's any question. There's So the way that they set this tour up, there's a lot of favor t- 
towards the top players, and they're going to play a limited schedule because they can. And you know, I yeah, I would. Uh, what I'm going to do is try to get some of these players, get a few players on over the holiday. So you got if you're out there listening, kind of mm-hmm. curious, uh, understand. I'm going to make some requests. I'm not sure they'll honor it, but we'll try to get some some uh, current and even former PGA Tour players to Let join me, I, I want to say this real quick. Insight. I want to say this real quick. A student of yours, a place kicker, Chase Klein from Chapin, was added to the roster. He's going to Western Carolina to play golf. He's going to kick in this game tomorrow. He's a plus three. He's one of yours. Well, i tell you what. He's his own coach and teacher. He's a great athlete, and that's awesome. Congratulations, Chase. Thank you, uh, George. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you tomorrow on the broadcast.